Welcome to Beyond the Bell. Today's guests are Aaron Helgren and Megan Barber. Megan teaches preschool in Yonkala, Oregon, a low-income rural area. Aaron supports the Yonkala School District through the Early Works Project. Both share with us how their school district has created solutions to keep young children learning despite COVID. Hi, so I'm welcoming um, Aaron and Megan from Oregon today, and I'm excited to have some guests that focus on education with primary levels, because those of you who are um, regular guests of the show know that I mostly focus on secondary education, but um, Megan is a preschool teacher. So we have like, I've had college uh, professors on this show, and now we're having the totally other end of the spectrum. And we're going to talk to a teacher who's been working with the youngest of our students. And I can't even imagine what that's been like during the pandemic. So Megan and Aaron, welcome to Beyond the Bell. I'm very excited to have you here today. Thank you. And just because I have two guests on, um, Megan, we'll start with you. Can you just introduce yourself to the guests and kind of uh, tell everybody what you teach? Um, My name is Megan Barber, and I am the preschool lead teacher and director for Yonkala. And I've been uh, here since the start of the program about five years now. Great. Thanks. And Erin? And my name is Erin Helgren, and I work for Children's Institute, which is a policy and advocacy organization in Oregon focused on equity and education. And I do some um, prenatal to third grade alignment work in the Yonkala School District. Great. So we have both a teacher here today and someone that works more on the policy side of things. So we're going to kind of get a little bit of behind the scenes. I know I usually focus on the teaching side of things, but I thought it'd be great also to bring in a guest today who can um, kind of pull it all together and kind of what policy making decisions that have been happening during the pandemic as well. So Megan, I'll start with you. So what, what has it been like teaching during the pandemic to preschool kids? Well, it's near impossible to do things like Zoom or um, any of those kind of activities because I have so many parents who are already trying to do that tech piece and feeling so unsuccessful, feeling so stretched and pulled beyond that we really did a survey coming into this year of what would be more helpful, more helpful than hurtful for families. And so what we did is we chose to do a more, um, uh, choose a different media of doing Facebook and doing a private page where we could be able to, as teachers, post things and kind of do our, our normal routine that we would do through videos so they could come anytime they wanted and be able to participate and check in, send their own videos, talk with other parents and have that kind of um, communion and connection. But in a way that if you didn't make it and you didn't watch any of the videos, there's no score against you. There's nothing that's going to harm you or your child and or put you behind. It's just, this is here offered to you if you want it. And then to um, supplement we would send supplies home when we were doing distance learning um, and anything we could along with lessons. But again, it was always under this thing of, this is to be helpful and if you can't do it, we understand. 
if you need help or support, let us know what we can do. But if you end up having this box of stuff you never even touch, it is what it is because mm-hmm. there's enough on our plates right now. We, we recognize. And so the moment we were able to come back into school, we didn't hit the books immediately or try to make it all about academics. We wanted to take so much time to just celebrate being near each other and to just have some joy and time and play because that's what we needed. We need to get outdoors and we need to get dirty and we needed to have time to breathe and just be near people again and figure out what that is like again. So give us the timeline. How long were you distance learning? And then how long were you um, in person? Like what has been this year like in terms of how long you did each piece? So um, our um, distance learning started right before Easter of last year. And it was a little bit of a frenzy here in Oregon. I think we thought we were going to be out maybe for an additional week for Easter break or for spring break. And we ended up, of course, being out um, until the next school year. Um, and then we were able to um, bring younger kids back into the building. Um, I think about, about October, we started to bring kids into the building. And of course, um, during the time between um, uh, May, the end of June, when school ended, and um, September, we spent a lot of time working with our families and working with our community and working with our school staff and really um, creating a plan that was responsive to like the variety of needs of families in our community and also embedding the new um, COVID protocols, both the preschool protocols and then like the school district protocols. So I feel like Megan and her staff had like an extra load on their plate because not only did they have to think about the district policy, but then they also had to think about the new protocols around um, preschool for the state of Oregon. I don't know if Megan wants to share some of their, their, um, their process for. Well, I I feel like one of the biggest things was just even making sure before we started, before we opened any doors, we had to meet with all the parents and make sure everyone was aware because there's such confusion of like, does my kid have to wear a mask? Does my kid not have to wear a mask? Can, do they have to stay so many feet away from each other? What's it going to look like? There's so much anxiety and mm-hmm. there's so much fear that even though we couldn't go in their house, normally we do home visiting and we take time before we start each year to connect with families in that personal way. We'd have to meet them outside their house or outside the building or whatever we could um, to have face face time and walk through it so we could have time to just answer questions. We can have time to show that no matter what, we're gonna make sure everybody's gonna be safe, but we're still gonna get to be like kids and do what we need to do to have fun. Um, I think that was one of the biggest shifts that this year had to be of of just really baby-stepping that process and making sure we think through every minute little detail so we can answer those questions. And what was some of the protocol that you put in place for that age group and how do you, how, how do you enforce it with kids that age? So we were really lucky. Preschool already had so many strict um, regulations about being clean and taking care of everything because it's one of the grossest times of our development. It's <laughs> a lot of like, I got to rub my nose on everything mm. and I'm basically living tissue for children. And so we were already like a very honest staff for being able to take care of everything. But um, 
some, what we recognize is it could easily get very overwhelming where it becomes the teacher coming and cleaning everything as we go. And so we were very purposeful in making sure that we gave children ownership and responsibility in keeping their classrooms safe. And we really spent so much at the beginning of our school year talking about that. Mm-hmm. Of, hey, here are the expectations, but this is what your part is of how to keep it safe. So when they're done with toys, they know they put it in a certain section so we can help sanitize. And they know how to help put it back. And they know how to be able to give each other space. Or if I do touch my nose or I you know, put my hand on my mouth, my expectation is I'm going to go wash my hands now. And this is how I wash my hands. And, and they had such ownership over it that it wasn't us controlling them and making mm-hmm. sure they had to follow these tight rules. But instead, they were like, oh, I know what to do. And I'm... Um, a strong individual who can be able to take it care of my my school family and keep it safe for everybody. And so do and does that age group does Oregon do you have to have them wear masks or no because they're young no. enough? Yeah. So do you try and keep them apart from each other like six feet ish or what are the so protocols around space? We created space around the table mm-hmm. and we we made sure we kind of taught around like oh we can't get right into somebody's space. We want to give them a little bit of space because no one likes it anyway. Right. And then when we were on the carpet, we would have carpet squares space um, farther away from each other so they could be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But we also recognize that children want to be close and they want to touch and feel and be near each other. So it was just more of being mindful that they're still able to be kids, but also being aware of like, oh, and that's a loss. So right too much um so how yeah on that note how have you worked with the the kids that age this year in particular with teaching them the sort of social interaction skills that you usually are teaching the preschool level and what have you had to change any thing that you teach on in terms of that I think if anything, it's just being more aware and more mindful of like, oh, when you're doing this, you're actually spitting on someone else's body. I know you think you're just making like car sounds. Mm-hmm. All what you're doing is really this. And it's giving that awareness of like, oh, my actions actually have an effect and they're affecting somebody else and that could jeopardize their safety. So it's mm-hmm. it kind of gave us a, an opportunity to be able to teach these social skills, but in a way that they really want to keep their kids, their friends safe. They don't want to to do that to them or jeopardize their their health. So they take it really to heart and like, oh, and then they shift and then they're able to um, to not only do it themselves but to teach others and go like, oh, did you know when you do that? Right. Say something to them in the face, but if another child visits another child, oh, it's happening. So right. said, Aaron, in terms of parent education, how did that um, come into play in the district? So I think that that was um, one of the most challenging tensions was that um, we have very um, deep parent engagement uh, and parent participation in both our preschool aged areas and our primary area. And, um, you know, I I always say, like, imagine having a three year old and not being able to come into the building and actually um, wish them well on their first day of school. Um, and so, you know, initially, I think it was just really hard to wrap our hands around how do we um, create that same cohesiveness or that same connection when we can't be in the building together. But, um, you know, it also presented us with this opportunity of really having to think 
differently and open our minds a little bit to working with all families if we wanted all children to be successful. And so this families that like as a teacher um, present themselves as a little bit more difficult or are you know difficult to connect with, we really had to go above and beyond. And I think being able to include them in some of the planning um, and then just being really mindful of communication. And the preschool did such a beautiful job and they, they, they stuck with it all year in um, really um, taking pictures daily and posting pictures so families can see them. And at any given time, you can go in and you can see 15 or 20 pictures of each classroom of the activities that kids are doing during the day. And it's just been really important to have that regular conversation, um, as well as I think we've done a lot of like coaching from afar and support from afar. So like talking to parents more on the phone, trying to meet with them outside if that's possible. I mean, it definitely has been been a challenge. And, and I think we've, we've done a really good job at being very mindful and keeping it in the forefront. Megan, have you felt that you've had more or less parental contact this year than a typical year? Um, it, 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 it definitely does feel less in a lot of ways, just because in the past, we prided ourselves in being able to have a lot of parent volunteers and we were able to have so much, we would have like family nights and all these ways to kind of come together. And that you, you can't, you can't sometimes supplement some of the beauty of those face-to-face contact times when we're all coming together. And um, it's, it was really hard to try to do it. And it's so disconnected because we can't meet as a whole. Um, But even so, there's also this other sense that we have parents who have such a different level of appreciation. And so when we do check in and we do talk, they're so much more willing because they're like, just thank you for taking the hit. (laughs) But, But they also see how hard we're trying and how hard we're trying to make sure they feel comfortable and that their child is welcome. And so it, there's still that sense of family and belonging for all of us. It's just not at the, not in the way we're used to seeing it, but that doesn't mean we can't still have something wonderful to build off of as the years come. And I think for, for us, this has been a year of really redefining what the school means to a small community. And so, you know, there has always, I don't want to say always, but there oftentimes can be some tension between the school and the parent, or they don't, parents don't really view the school as a place to go and have my needs met or to help me problem solve things that ultimately impact the education of their children, but may fall under more of like a social service or a a basic need service um, kind of category. And so this year we were really mindful of really checking in with families and ensuring that they have what they needed um, in their homes um, to be successful during distance learning and to also be able to take care of their kids. So we at one point were delivering food boxes to nearly every child in the district um, and we check in on them regularly. We have some families that we provided with desks and chairs so they and we coached them on how to set up a learning area for their kids. Literally um, every classroom had a half a dozen approaches to being responsive to each and every family. And I, I mean, I just, I think that again, like Mer- Megan had said, parents really acknowledge and notice that, wow, this, this school really wants to ensure that our family's needs are taken care of and that our child is connected to us, to the school in the way that, um, that is most um, responsive to our own individual family's needs. 
how many uh, families, um, the preschool families at that level are keeping their children at home at this point? I have two distance learners. Two distance learners out of how many? I have, we have, we have 24 kids in class. So what, what have the accommodations been for those two distance learners? Like, how are you managing that? Basically what I did is when we first started is I went to the families and I said, what is it that you're needing? What are you looking for? We did some assessments. We kind of figured out goals together as a family. And then I asked what, how they would feel most comfortable setting up a plan. And then, so it's like, I had one family go, really, we want to do um, uh, homeschooling forever for this child. This is our our plan. We're just needing uh, supplies and we're needing ideas. And I'm like, we have all the supplies. And so I really made sure that we, we kept weekly bringing more and more things and, and just having time to be with the child. Um, but that, that was the extent of what they, they were looking for. And I have another child who um, they were needing more uh, direct instruction. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you just kind of fill it in wherever they're needing, because it, instead of I have a plan and then you're going to do whatever my plan is, that's not, that's not actually meeting the needs of the family at the time. So. So are you doing direct direct instruction with that student like over Zoom or something or? Actually, I meet with the families because that's what works best for them. Okay. We, they have access to our Facebook page where they know the mm-hmm. and our, have other ways of connecting with us. But at the same time, it's also for this, for that family, their plan is, is like, oh, we're, we're just taking some time right now but our, we're going to get back into the classroom. So they're just wanting to kind of stay up to date of what we're doing mm-hmm. with the intention that, that they'll be back in the classroom. So it's, it's a different, it's a different approach. Uh, and are you doing ho- like a home visit then for that family or you're just meeting with, okay. So you're well, going, okay. going to them. Yes. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Yeah. And do you do that after your school day or like with the other kids. Okay. And is this like, is this program a paid program or is it a free for all preschool? So actually um, we are part of the Oregon preschool promise. Um, We're a recipient of funds. And so we have um, uh, two classrooms that can service up to 18 kids and we receive funding um, for, from preschool promise for 15 of those kids our district has made a decision that every child in the community should have access to high quality preschool, just partly because it's just a, a human right. It's mm-hmm. a community right. But also, you know, our families were very remote and rural and we don't have access to other options. And so um, our district um, dedicates part of their general fund to pay for students that don't qualify for preschool. So in Yonkala, um, all children that are three and four years old have access to no cost preschool. That's wonderful. And your community, um, you know, Aaron and I were speaking last week. It's a high percentage of students on free and reduced lunch, correct? Very high. Yeah. So I think that's important for people to know that you're serving a very underprivileged community. The number of children that we typically have that don't qualify for um, preschool promise is right around 10%. It 
it, um, and so you know maybe you know one in ten um, don't qualify, and it's mm-hmm. a it's a similar scale as um, the free and reduced lunch as far as qualification. And so we do have quite a few kids, and the unintended consequence of really prioritizing universal access is it brought families together um, that may not have come together otherwise. And they've really um, grown and they have um, learned from each other. And it's just really created a, a, like a beautiful sense of community amongst families. Mm. Megan, do you have like a favorite moment from this year in terms of like maybe when the kids came back after being distance learning for a while or something that stands so, out? Particular favorite moment because it's all been so good. You you miss them so much. And I feel like we purposely lined it out where we were just going to have every way possible to celebrate. So we did like Lunar New Year and we was like, it's time to celebrate. Someone had like a half birthday. We spent a week celebrating. Like we just found every reason under the sun to throw a party for no reason. And it didn't need anything flashy. It didn't need anything super special. It was just some way to celebrate the fact that we're all together and that we're so excited mm-hmm. to just be our family. And it means so much to us. And, uh, and that they're, they know how excited we are. We really emphasize like, we're so happy to be with you. And, and it felt like um, an addictive joy. Like, well, help but <laughs> that that sounds amazing because I teach high school and I teach to a bunch of black boxes most of the day. So <laughs> to, <laughs> to feel that kind of energy from young kids, um, I'm this is like one time when I'm actually kind of envious of those of you who teach the younger levels kids because they, I mean, even my own kids with their. <clears throat> teachers, my, my eight-year-old who's in third grade, like there's so much energy even online when I'm overhearing it versus teaching high school kids, which they're, uh, very checked out at this point in the year. But, um, so what, what has been kind of keeping you both sane this year since, I mean, it's been over a year since this whole thing started and, um, what's been your kind of silver lining throughout all of this? I think for me, I really made sure to be respectful and responsible of my own personal time. Uh, I try not to answer a lot of phone calls when I get home. I try to um, just kind of take what I learned from being quarantined with my family and really respect and honor that time. So when it's time to be done with work, I leave work here. And when it's time to go home, I embrace that. And I celebrate it just as much as I celebrate being at school. <laughs> I mean, I think um, for me, um, there has just been a lot of joy. And, um, you know, my office, the window faces the playground for um, the preschool. And I had the opportunity to spend some time in K1 and 2. And just being around kids. And you really... Um, I don't want to say your bar is low, but you get weepy when you see kids playing and climbing trees and, and doing the things that we've taken for granted. And um, there's just such a momentum here in um, trying different things and honoring kids and recognizing that it, 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 that education needs to really look at children holistically and we can try new things. And I think, you know, this year, because it has been a COVID year, I, we have kind of said, let's just try whatever. Let's try yoga first thing in the morning. Let's do art first thing in the morning. Let's see. Uh, let's just create some joyful moments um, with children. And then, of course, I think, you know, 
on a personal level, just again, like Megan, making sure I'm taking that time to you know practice yoga or um, ride my bike. That's a big, a big thing for me. Um, and doing some of those things just to keep me a little bit grounded and balanced. That's very beautiful. I'm picturing your office window, looking out at all the kids playing. I can actually hear them too, in yeah. a little bit in the background. So, um, just to kind of helps put probably everything in perspective. So thank you both so much for joining me today. And uh, I wish you the best as the school year closes. Uh, and uh, hopefully next year is a little smoother for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Bell. The show was created and produced by Evelyn Lauer. Music was created by Jim Streisel and his band, The Dead Squirrels. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please contact me on Twitter at Evelyn A. Lauer, and I'd be happy to connect with you there. I'm looking for teachers from all disciplines and all grade levels come on the show to talk about what it's been like teaching during the pandemic, especially as we end this school year. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great week.